And the doctor was uh, hanging out with Mayans, trying not to get uh, human sacrificed. Nice. I always try not to get human sacrificed. (laughs) It's a good plan. Hey everybody, welcome to this Hootastic holiday episode of Super Sci-Fi Party, the only podcast where we talk exclusively about fun science fiction movies, TV shows, and more. No post-apocalyptic downer sci-fi allowed. My name is Ty Kinsley, and with me as always is my TARDIS riding, rose guiding, alien chiding, regeneration imbibing, sonic screwdriver providing co-host and brother, Scott Kinsley. How are you doing on this fine December evening, Scott? Well, Todd, I'm feeling a little timey-wimey, I think. Uh, That makes perfect sense. You think Santa's going to bring you everything you want this year? Yes. Why, have you heard something? I might have heard something. I think all I really want is to make it to the next year. (laughs) That's pretty much what I always want these days. Just one more year. That's that's all I really need. Especially after uh, the fun fest of 2020. Ah, 2020. I'm ready for 2021. Today, we're talking about the granddaddy of fun sci-fi shows, Doctor Who. Yeah. Specifically, we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 0, yes, that's right, of the new series titled The Christmas Invasion. For the uninitiated, Doctor Who is a British television show which first aired in 1963. This means it aired a full three years before Star Trek, the original series, which aired in 1966. Also, we'd like to do a special shout out to our ever awesome cousin, Lindsay, who first turned us on to Doctor Who several years ago. Thank you for the gift of who. I don't think we've spoken about Lindsay on the podcast before, have we? No, we have not. I don't think so. Uh, She has some serious sci-fi geek credentials, in my opinion. I remember when we attended her wedding reception, the wedding party walked into the banquet underscored by the evil empire's theme from uh, (laughs) Star Wars. Yes, they did. It was very awesome. Some fantastic evil John Williams. Uh, That serious commitment to sci-fi, in my opinion. Then again, her sister, our cousin Stephanie, had a Lord of the Rings themed wedding in the woods. So I guess it was a sci-fi versus fantasy wedding smackdown. Anyhow, shout out to our awesome cousins. Doctor Who follows the adventures of a Time Lord known only as the Doctor. He travels in a time machine called the TARDIS. The exterior of the TARDIS appears as a blue British police box, which was a common sight in Britain in 1963 when the series first aired. Also, the TARDIS travels not only through time, but also through space, so Doctor Who can have adventures anywhere and anytime in the universe. Now that's an awesome thought. You could go anywhere and anytime you can imagine. Where would you go? What amazing things would you choose to see? Well, the doctor seems to really like late 20th and early 21st century Great Britain because, you know, fish and chips. Or probably it has to do with the show being created there. Much like most beings in the universe, the doctor doesn't like traveling alone, so he typically travels with a companion or companions from Great Britain who accompany the doctor on his fantastic journeys. 
Doctor Who originally aired from 1963 to 1989. And then, much like Star Trek, it was given a new series in 2005 called Doctor Who, The Next Generation. Just kidding. (laughs) But that totally should have been the title. Uh, And I'll be very honest here and admit that Scott and I are almost exclusively fans of the new Doctor Who series. I think I've only ever seen a handful of episodes from the original Doctor Who series. How about you, Scott? Well, Todd, I uh, looked up some of the older ones when we first started watching Doctor Who. And I think I found, uh, I believe it was in the possibly first season. And the Doctor was uh, hanging out with Mayans and trying not to get a human sacrificed. Nice. I always try not to get human sacrificed. (laughs) It's a good plan. Good plan. I think I've seen a few episodes where it was the 70s and everyone looked very 70s and I don't exactly remember what the plot was. And then you and I saw some kind of fictionalized story about the making of Doctor Who, I believe. Yes. That was pretty cool. Maybe someday I'll find a list of great original episodes since that's, you know, 20 years to watch through. Something like top 10 best original Doctor Who would be cool. Yeah, that could be fun. Someone hit us up on Twitter, let us know. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we're talking specifically today about the Doctor Who episode titled The Christmas Invasion, which first aired on BBC television on December 25th, 2005. What was competing with Doctor Who on TV on December 25th in 2005, Scott? On ABC, we had Men in Trees. CBS had Close to Home. Fox had Trading Spouses. And NBC had Las Vegas. I highly recommend that you never watch the show Las Vegas. Because if you do, you might become so enthralled with the idea of moving to Las Vegas that you go there for close to a decade. Mm, Speaking from experience? Mm, Possibly. See, now Las Vegas actually kind of, in my mind, falls in the sci-fi category with some of the tricks they were able to do with their cameras back in the day. I mean, they could. Zoom oh, you're talking in. about Las Vegas, the TV show, yes. and the security cameras in the fictional casino on Las Vegas, the TV show. Yes. Yep. They were able to do like infrared scans and see stuff embedded in people's arms. Yeah. If they had that technology, I'm pretty sure the CIA would have taken it from them. Yeah. <laughs> in honor of the doctor and the Christmas season, we have put together a new top 10 list for you titled. Top 10 Doctor Who Christmas song titles. Number 10. It's beginning to look a lot like Torchwood. Number 9. All I want for Christmas is Rose Tyler. Mm. Who doesn't? Wait, actually, who does? Although he doesn't get her, or <laughs> rather his clone gets her. Does that count? Uh, yeah. Okay, leave it a clone. Number 8. Rocking around the rotating Christmas tree. Number seven, I saw Jack Harkness kissing Santa Claus. <laughs> Number six, it's the most wonderful Time Lord of the year. Ah, isn't it? Number five, God rest ye merry Cybermen. <laughs> Number four, go tell it on the master. Go tell it on the master. No. <laughs> Number three. Elise Navidalek. Okay, you find a better way to make Dalek fit into a Christmas song title. I think that works quite well. Number two, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Bad Wolf. What? That doesn't even make sense. Uh, nope. 
Number one, let it snow, let it snow, face a bow. <laughs> and if you have no idea what some of those references refer to, you need to do some remedial Doctor Who binging. Take two seasons and call me in the morning. The Christmas Invasion is a great example of fun science fiction. In fact, the Doctor Who series itself is typically a good example of fun sci-fi. On November 21st, 2013, Nicholas Slayton wrote an article in The Atlantic titled How Doctor Who Survived 50 Years. He said, quote, Doctor Who is uplifting. As dark as the show can get and as high as the body count can rise, which is very high, there's always a sense of joy and discovery there. The Doctor can be manipulative and brooding, but he's always been an explorer first. The show is about saving people and helping others and not getting revenge or hurting someone. And it's unabashed love of seeing new things and the best in people makes it fun. The Christmas Invasion was written by Russell T. Davies. It was directed by James Hawes. It stars David Tennant as the Doctor, Billy Piper as Rose Tyler, Camille Koduri as Jackie Tyler, Noel Clark as Mickey Smith, and Penelope Wilton as Harriet Jones. Before we can dive into the episode, I need to explain something about Doctor Who. Because the series has been airing off and on since 1963, it became necessary to occasionally replace the actor who plays Doctor Who. So they invented regeneration, which is a process in which the Doctor is reborn into a new adult body, but while retaining the memories of all his former incarnations. When we start the Christmas invasion, the Doctor has just been regenerated into a new body, but the regeneration process is not 100% complete, causing the Doctor to be extremely tired and somewhat disoriented. So this episode starts on Christmas Eve in Great Britain, 2005, specifically the London neighborhood of the Doctor's current traveling companion, 20-year-old Rose Tyler. The TARDIS appears and out stumbles the Doctor who greets Rose's mother, Jackie, and Rose's boyfriend, Mickey. The doctor greets them, wishes them Merry Christmas, and then collapses. Rose, Mickey, and Rose's mom, Jackie, bring the doctor to Jackie's flat. Rose tells her mom and her boyfriend that the doctor has recently changed bodies and needs rest. We see a wisp of energy leave the doctor's mouth and float out into space. On the television, we see British Prime Minister Harriet Jones and an underling giving a press conference about their Guinevere 1 space probe, which is about to land on Mars. As we pull out to a view of outer space, however, we see the probe is swallowed up by a large alien ship. Later in the evening, Rose and her boyfriend go Christmas shopping, but they are suddenly attacked by a group of masked Santas. The strange-looking Santas had been playing Christmas carols on brass instruments, but now the horns act as mortars launching explosives at Mickey and Rose. Oh, and that alert indicates this was one of my top three fun moments from the Christmas Invasion. Scott and I are both former old school band geeks, so this one was really a no-brainer as far as top fun moments go. <laughs> I can't think of anything more fun than shooting mortars out of band instruments. How about you? <laughs> oh, that would be very fun, yeah. Definitely some audience members needed to be mortared at some of our shows. Well, it's definitely something to see in the context of a Christmas special. You just don't see it happen all that often. Yep, and it does, you know, get to a point with Doctor Who. Uh, if you ever find yourself in an episode of Doctor Who and anyone or anything is wearing a mask, it is probably out to get you. 
Masks are bad, King. <laughs> Mickey and Rose manage to escape when the tuba mortar brings down a large Christmas tree on top of the Santas. The Robo Santas remind me of that scene from The Tick where uh. all the Santas were going, ho, 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 <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Multiple Santas, yes. Fantastic. Rose concludes that the Santas must be after the doctor, so they rush home to warn her mother. When Rose and Mickey reach her mom's place, Rose notices an unfamiliar Christmas tree sitting in the room. Her mom tells her that the tree was delivered to their door earlier. Rose, Mickey, and Jackie quickly learn that none of them purchased the tree. Suddenly, the tree springs into action and starts spinning around like a top in a cheerful rendition of Jingle Bells plays. The razor-sharp branches of the tree start to rip apart anything they hit as the tree spins violently. Rose, Jackie, and Mickey retreat to the bedroom, but the murderous tree begins to follow and bursts through the bedroom door. Jackie cries out in terror. Oh, and that alert indicates this is one of my top three fun moments from Doctor Who, The Christmas Invasion. Oh, and that alert indicates that it is also one of Scott's. So we'll let you talk about this one first, Scott. What does Jackie say? Yeah, yeah, Jackie's uh, Rose's mom there, Todd. She had, the, in my opinion, one of the best lines. And she, as they're running away, she's like, I'm, I'm going get to get killed by a Christmas tree. Her presentation of it was just beautiful. It was very comedic. Yeah, very comedic line. I've never heard a better one in a Christmas episode on any show, let alone a sci-fi show. Uh, the whole idea of a killer Christmas tree is fantastic. And there's not a lot to say about it if you haven't seen it. Um, it's definitely worth checking out the episode just for that scene alone. As Scott said, Jackie's next line is, I'm going to get killed by a Christmas tree. With everyone in terminal peril, Rose calls out to an unconscious doctor for help. At the last second, the doctor reacts instinctively, sits up, and blasts the tree to ash with his sonic screwdriver. When they're out on the balcony... More mask-wielding Santas appear outside Jackie's apartment building, but the doctor wards them off with his sonic screwdriver. The doctor says the strange Santas are pilot fish, quote-unquote, that are being attracted to the energy he's been releasing as part of his final regeneration phase. The doctor then starts to spasm in pain as he has again been awakened too early from his regeneration. The doctor warns the group that something bigger will be following the pilot fish, and then he loses consciousness again. Back on TV, we finally get to see the first signal broadcast from the Guinevere 1 space probe. Much to everyone's surprise, it's an alien face, which is soon broadcast all over the world. The Prime Minister is whisked away to a secret meeting in the Tower of London with the United Nations Intelligence Task Force. A technician tells them that the signal is not coming from Mars, but it's actually coming from an alien ship that is a mere 5,000 miles above the Earth and closing. Using special high-tech software to translate the alien message, they discover that the aliens are called the Cicerax, and they are demanding a surrender of Earth, or everyone will die. Oh, and that alert indicates this is one of Scott's top three fun moments from the Christmas Invasion. All right, Todd, the part that got me is when the translator is translating the message for the Prime Minister. He's just reading off this translating pad, and it says, You will surrender or they will die. Cicerax strong, Cicerax mighty, Cicerax rock. And then the translator clarifies, As in the modern sense, they rock. 
Now, this is the kind of touch that is so subtle and quick, you know, in Doctor Who, but it adds, you know, all that fun we keep talking about in Doctor Who. Ladies and gentlemen, this weekend at the Pontiac Silverdome, Cicerax rocks! <laughs> the Prime Minister declines to surrender, so the Cicerax leader waves his hand, causing a blue wave of energy to sweep out over a third of the population, putting them into a trance. All of the affected humans climb to the highest spots they can find, such as rooftops and bridges, and they stand like zombies close to the edge, as if preparing to jump to their deaths. Technicians tell the Prime Minister that it turns out the 33% of the world's population that is under the alien's control all have A-positive blood type. It turns out that a sample of A-positive human blood was aboard the Guinevere 1 space probe, along with other information about the human race. Somehow the Cicerax are using the blood to control everyone with that blood type. Now, taking a break from the plot here for a second... <laughs> I realize this is science fiction, but do you realize that in real life, the United States has actually sent probes out into deep space that contain all kinds of information about the human race? Yes, I am aware of that. <laughs> yeah, because, because we had a big discussion about it before. Yeah. But Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 are now both beyond our solar system out in interstellar space, which is the space between stars. They were both launched in 1977 and are still transmitting information back to Earth about their surroundings. Hmm. Voyager 1 is currently the farthest man-made object from Earth at about 14 billion miles away, Jeez. which is 22.3 billion kilometers. That's all well and good, but here's the crazy part. On both Voyagers, there is a 12-inch gold-plated copper disc that is cut like a vinyl record. There are symbols detailing how to play the record, along with a special needle player. <laughs> the record contains greetings in 55 languages, as well as all kinds of natural sounds from Earth. Okay, fine. Cool. But there are also pictures on the record which contain directions of how to get to Earth, details about the planets in our solar system, details about how chemistry on Earth works, what? An explanation of DNA strands and how they work on Earth, pictures depicting humans, pictures depicting how we reproduce, maps of planet Earth. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. There's scientific porn on there that shows people reproducing? It doesn't show them in the act, but it shows that <laughs> that we're vertebrates that have a million infants and the whole... Yeah. Wow. It's all there. All that information is out there floating in space. Basically, we've given aliens instructions about exactly who we are and how to conquer us. Wow. It's insane. And it's real life. This is not sci-fi. It's out there floating right now in interstellar space beyond the solar system. Way, 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 way past Pluto. <laughs> Waiting for someone to pick it up and get all this great information. I really don't get it. Because you would think the most intelligent scientists in the world would have watched or read some science fiction at some point in their lives. But apparently not. I do know. I think it's what an image of Da Vinci's man is on there, which shows, you know, like a, a shot of a man. And then it has superimposed different degrees in which the arms and legs can move. But it could be interpreted as we have six legs six and six, six arms or three arms, three legs. You know. Well, there's actually I think there's over 100 pictures put on the surface of the record. They're just uh, miniaturized. You have yeah. to magnify them. But uh, there's all kinds of information that, personally, I don't think should be out there floating around. Uh, you think they'd never seen a sci-fi show. 
<laughs> how how is that ever going to be good for us to have that kind of information floating out in space? Well, how else are we going to meet people and have yeah. them conquer us? Ah, here's a strand of my DNA. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm assuming these real-life Voyager probes were the inspiration for Guinevere One Space Probe in this episode of Doctor Who, but uh, I think it definitely deserved to be mocked. <laughs> yes, definitely. Back in Doctor Who's The Christmas Invasion episode, the British Prime Minister goes on TV and puts out a desperate call for help from the Doctor, but of course he never hears the message because he's still unconscious. The shockwave of the giant Cicerac ship entering Earth's atmosphere shadows windows all throughout London and possibly beyond. Rose, Mickey, and Jackie decide it would be safest if they all shelter inside the Doctor's nearly invulnerable time machine, the TARDIS. They move the Doctor with them and they bring some food and supplies. Back at London Tower, the Ciseracs decide to teleport the Prime Minister and some of her team up to the Ciseracs spaceship. The Ciseracs leader shows them a large glowing button and threatens that if he presses it, all the mind-controlled humans will jump to their deaths. One of the Prime Minister's team tries to negotiate with the Ciseracs leader, but the leader whips him with his laser whip and reduces him to a pile of bones. Oh, and that alert indicates this is one of my top three fun moments from the Christmas Invasion. Strictly because the guy that got laser whipped yeah. and turned a pile of bones was also the guy that thought it was a brilliant idea to put uh, A-positive blood in the space probe <laughs> that they're now using to control Earth. So, so karma. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's just fun to me thinking about uh, somebody with, uh, I guess, a really positive outlook getting whipped into bones. <laughs> Because you would have to have a very sunny <laughs> outlook to just spread all that information out to the cosmos. You're too happy. Oh, God. Exactly. <laughs> it's fun for me. So it was one of my top three fun moments from the Christmas invasion. That's awesome. The Ciceract's leader tells the prime minister either half of Earth's population will be sold into slavery or one third of the population will jump to their deaths. Prime minister's choice. Back in the TARDIS, Mickey tries to use the scanner to find out what's going on outside, but this causes the Ciseracs to detect the advanced technology and teleports the TARDIS to their ship. Not realizing that they are aboard the Ciseracs ship, Rose steps out of the TARDIS and screams when she sees the aliens. Mickey rushes out after her, dropping the flask of tea he was holding, which spills and starts dripping through the grills at the base of the console next to the doctor's unconscious body. The doctor breathes in the fumes created as the tea sparks against various components. Rose tries to bluff the Ciseracs by quoting various things from races she's encountered in her travels, commanding them to leave, but is answered with laughter. The Ciseracs leader taunts her attempts to pass off secondhand knowledge as authority, but as he gloats, his alien words start turning to English. Rose realizes that the TARDIS translator is working again, and thus the Doctor must be conscious for it to be active. So this can mean only one thing. The Doctor is awake. On cue, the Doctor emerges from the TARDIS, smiling as he said, Did you miss me? Oh, and that alert indicates this is the final one of Scott's top three fun moments from the Christmas Invasion. 
Yep. I mean, when the doctor comes out of there, it's just a, a very fun moment. The Cicerac leader attacks the doctor with his laser whip. The doctor disarms him quickly and then kind of scoldingly, you know, comes up to him and says, now you just wait. I'm busy. Then he turns away, turns his back on him completely and goes off to greet his friends as if he hasn't seen him in a month. The doctor does easily defeat the alien leader's energy whip and his staff. The doctor recognizes the technology that the Ciceracs are using to control one third of the humans on Earth is called quote unquote blood magic. He informs them that they can't actually make the humans jump to their deaths because their survival instinct is too strong. A few insults later and the doctor and the alien leader decide to have a one-on-one -on -one fight for the fate of the Earth. The doctor and the Ciceracs leader fight, but the leader manages to cut off the doctor's hand. No. <laughs> Fortunately for the doctor, he is still at the end of his regeneration cycle, so he regenerates another hand. With his new hand, his fighting hand, as he calls it, fighting hand, the doctor defeats the alien leader by disarming him. He orders the Ciceracs to leave the Earth and never return. As in most action shows, when the doctor turns his back to walk away from the defeated leader, the alien springs up to attack him. The doctor calmly throws a piece of fruit found in his jacket at a control button, and a section of the ship opens up, causing the Cicerax leader to plummet to his death. The doctor gives the Cicerax army one more stern warning that the Earth is defended, so the monster should stay away, and sends them on their way back to their planet. Unbeknownst to the doctor and his friends, the British Prime Minister has been in contact with a secret alien defense project on Earth called Torchwood. Prime Minister suddenly tells Torchwood to fire at the retreating Cicerac ship. Giant lasers shoot overhead, destroying the retreating spacecraft. The doctor glares at the Prime Minister and tells her he should have had the Ciceracs tell the universe that the monsters are coming, the human monsters. Like most episodes of Doctor Who, the show ends on an upbeat note, with the doctor and Rose saying goodbye to Jackie and Mickey and entering the TARDIS so they can go back to exploring time and space together. So that's Doctor Who's The Christmas Invasion. Yeah! If you're looking for a lighthearted sci-fi Christmas adventure, this episode of Doctor Who is definitely for you. I believe it's currently streaming on HBO Max because you know you're dying to subscribe to yet another streaming service, right? <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Of course, we are already subscribed because HBO Max is going to be dropping the new Wonder Woman movie on Christmas Day. Yeah. So if you are in the same boat, you might want to check out the Christmas Invasion episode of Doctor Who. you have anything else to say about Doctor Who, the Christmas Invasion, Scott? No, it was awesome. Check it out. Uh, Doctor Who, especially the next generation is we're dubbing it. They seem to like doing Christmas specials every year. And each one is unique and fun in its own right. So check them all out. Yeah, this is actually the first Christmas special, at least of the new series. And they definitely started out strong. And I think the subsequent ones are all pretty strong as well. If you have any questions, comments, or marriage proposals for us stemming <laughs> from this episode of Super Sci-Fi Party, please hit us up on Twitter or our website or via email at party at SuperSciFiParty.com. That's party at SuperSciFiParty.com. Also, if you have any suggestions of fun sci-fi that you'd like to hear on Super Sci-Fi Party, please hit us up. We'd love to hear them. 
If you enjoyed this episode of Super Sci-Fi Party, please share it with a sci-fi loving friend. It would mean the world to us. So, Scott, how do you think our plan to say each other's first names a lot to help the listeners figure out who we are went? Well, Todd, uh, it felt a little awkward, but I think it worked. Scott, I think it was completely natural. Yes, yes, I do agree. Thank you, Scott. I like it when Scott agrees with me, Todd, about things that Scott and Todd are discussing. You're welcome, Todd. Thank you, Scott. (laughs) For Super Sci-Fi Party, I'm Todd Kinsley. And I'm Scott Kinsley. And we are wishing you and yours a sci-fi fabulous holiday season. We will see you in 2021. But before we go, I'd like to remind you the immortal words of Doc Brown from Back to the Future. The future is what you make of it. So make it a good one. Feliz Navidad, everyone. Yeah.